0: Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Today I'm going to be talking to you about what social media platform works the best for psychologists and therapists, which, as you may have gathered if you've listened to this podcast before, is a bit of a trick question, um, but we'll talk about why that is in a minute. I just wanted to let you know that this is a bit of a special episode because I've actually taken the content for this episode from the Do Modern Therapy Masterclass that I'm running this month, which is all about social media basics. So for anyone who doesn't know, Do Modern Therapy is the membership that we run for people who have already got a thriving practice but want to reach more people, make a bigger impact and start building a bigger audience of people to hear their messages about mental health. So if that is interesting to you, if you find this session really useful and it kind of chimes with where you're at at the moment, then do go over to psychologybusinessschool.com and have a look at the Do More Therapy membership tab uh, because this is exactly the kind of thing that we cover in there and we've got Wow, I think about 15 masterclasses now from experts teaching us about all of the um, social media platforms, everything that you need to know to start marketing to a wider audience and to get your messages heard. So I just wanted to say that that is where this content comes from. Obviously, it's not the complete class and the class is much longer and more in depth than this. But, um, but I've sort of cherry-picked the bits which I feel like every psychologist and therapist needs to know to go into this episode. So I hope it's really helpful to you. Alright, let's get on with the show then. So today we're talking about social media platforms. And the reason that I felt this was part of the content that every psychologist or therapist needs to know is because every psychologist or therapist that I work with in psychology business school or in the Do Morton Therapy membership asks me at some point which social media platform they should be on. We're all so time poor, no one wants to waste time on a platform that isn't going to move them forwards. Plus, many of us don't use social media that much personally. I know I never really have, and so we can feel like we don't really understand what's going to do well on each of the platforms, and we can feel a bit intimidated by some of them. So today I'm going to talk to you about the four main platforms that people tend to weigh up when they're choosing which social media platform to focus on. At the moment, the big hitters are still Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, Yes, there is potential on newer platforms like Clubhouse, which is the audio-only chat room app, and TikTok, which is a short video clip sharing platform, which can be loads of fun, but most people that I've seen have success on those platforms also have a strong presence on one of the core platforms. So it's not that I'm saying that they're not useful at the moment, and I personally know people who are doing really well on those platforms, but... If you're strapped for time, and I'm willing to bet that you are, then not where I'd put my energy into just yet. Okay, so first I'm going to take you through each of the major platforms, and we're going to talk about the strengths of each platform, what they're really good at, uh, and maybe some things that you need to consider. And then at the end of the episode, I'm going to take you through some questions that you can ask yourself to try and determine which one feels like the best fit for you. So there is no straightforward answer. There is no right and wrong. I wish I could say it should be Facebook or it should be LinkedIn. It's not as simple as that. It depends on you and it depends on your practice. So what this episode is going to help you do is structure your thinking so that you can feel confident in your choice and really choose that one platform to focus on that's most likely to bring you the results that you want um, for your practice, for your message, whatever it is you're trying to get out there. So that's going to be the format for today. I am going to create a little worksheet to go along with this so that you can um, tick things off as you go Uh, but at the moment that's not ready (laughs) Um, so you might want to use a pen and paper to make some notes when we get to the questions bit at the end in particular. All right so let's get on with it. So let's start with Facebook, Facebook for Psychologists and Therapists. Facebook is so mainstream these days that it can look a bit weird for your prospective clients if you don't have a page on there. So if you haven't already, then do listen to the episode I recorded a few weeks ago about how to use Facebook, because even if it's not going to be a platform that you focus on, I would recommend at least having a shopfront presence on Facebook. And I talk you through how to create the right strategy for you in that episode. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but it is kind of best to be there. These days, Facebook is all about community. Yes, we still have and we use our news feeds and Facebook has a stories tab where we can see short clips from our friends. But Facebook really loves three things at the moment. Number one, it loves bringing friends and family together. Number two, it loves getting people with shared interests into groups together. And number three, It loves keeping people on the platform, watching videos, especially Facebook Lives. Facebook is not interested in promoting a business page for free because it has a very strong revenue stream from paid advertising. So Facebook is still a very, very useful platform, especially for building community. And there's loads of good reasons to do that. So do listen to the Facebook episode. But it might not be the best place for reaching new people if you don't have a budget for advertising. So for each of these platforms, I wanted to bring you an example of a psychologist or therapist or related professional who's using Facebook really well. Um, so the one that I wanted to draw your attention to for Facebook is the Gentle Parenting Group, which was originally started by Sarah Ockwell smith um, and she uses it in order to promote her books and her workshops But actually, the group really works because it's bringing people together who share a non-mainstream approach to parenting. And it allows people to vent about their experiences of parenting in that particular way and help each other out with the dilemmas that they might face. So it's, it's much more of a discussion forum than anything else. And actually, you can go weeks without seeing anything from Sarah in there. But if she wants to promote her books on there, She can just comment on posts that have hundreds of comments already and loads of engagement. And she'll most likely make sales as people are grateful for that space that she's created. Now that is quite, you know, it's an unusual group. It really got a lot of traction um, in the earlier days of Facebook when it was slightly easier to. But it's a really good example of creating that community that Facebook likes and Facebook will help you if you're in line with their principles and community is a big principle of Facebook's at the moment. Another good example of that principle are all the breastfeeding groups that are out there. So often these are run by um, people who hold classes or offer support services and they're able to advertise to the people that use the group for support. So again it works in a really similar way that you know, they've probably put a lot of work in at the beginning, and again you'll hear about this in the Facebook episode which I'll link to. Um they probably put loads of work in the beginning to get people talking, but now people are talking. They're just dropping in their content which advertises their services every now and again and it's getting seen by lots of people because it's a busy and vibrant community group. So how do people find these groups then? Because I've already said that Facebook's not brilliant for finding new people well generally these days people find those groups through search on facebook so facebook will if your group is popular facebook will start to suggest it to people which is awesome when that happens um, or if you give your group a really run seal, does what it says on the tin title, and you've hit on a problem that people really have, then people will find you in the search bar on Facebook. And it's gold dust. If you can do that, then you've nailed it. Um, and that's that's by far the best strategy. Um, but a lot of the time people have to use other platforms in order to reach out to people and invite them into that Facebook group. So a lot of you who are in my free Facebook group, the Do Modern Therapy community, will have been reached out to by me on LinkedIn, for example. That's the platform that I use because I'm looking for a professional group. We'll talk more about that later. And you could also use Instagram, um, other content like a podcast that might reach a wider audience can help you to fill up that group. If you have a budget, you can also run ads, Facebook ads, to something free get people's email addresses, and then encourage them to join the Facebook group. So once you've got a bit of a budget, you can do it that way. And there will be some of you listening to this that found my group that way, because I have done that in the past too. Um, And it can be very effective once you've already got a business which is sustaining itself. Okay, Instagram. Instagram for psychologists and therapists. Now, Instagram actually has five platforms within it. And we did a masterclass on this in the Do More Therapy membership with Helen Perry, an Instagram expert, um, which was just fantastic. And we've got a podcast episode with Helen as well. So please do go back and listen to this one because Helen describes what you can do with Instagram far better than I ever could. But as a brief summary of it. Instagram's got these five platforms the first one is the grid the one we're all used to and these are where you can create square graphics or photos with captions which is just a bit of text that you can put with it and you give your post hashtags that mean that people can search for content on particular subjects and find it really easily so your content could be found by complete strangers who are just interested in your subject. And if people like your content, they can choose to follow you and they'll then see your posts in their personal feed, which is displayed when they log in. You've got stories. Now these are 15 second video clips or still vertical images that are displayed for 24 hours these can be used for more informal content uh, you can use them to talk to your existing followers and you can use things like stickers and features like polls that you can use to get your audience talking to you so they're great for engagement reels are a newer feature on instagram and they're short videos 15 to 30 seconds that are often carved up into bursts of just a few seconds. So they have quite a specific look and feel, and they can have captions, animations, and other fun features. And they're really all about making short, snappy content that really stands out. Some accounts, but not all, um, seem to be able to put music behind their reels. Others can't, but when it works, it works really, really well. And these are great for sharing short mental health tips, and you can use hashtags so you can be found by strangers as well, which is awesome. IGTV. This is Instagram's long-form video content platform. You can share videos of up to 15 minutes here, I think, and you can use hashtags to get your videos found by strangers. So this is great for like a longer piece of training, a longer bit of psychoeducation. but you still got to make sure that it's an engaging enough subject that people are going to be stopped in their newsfeed and be desperate to watch it because there's a lot of competition on there. But it is brilliant for a longer, more nuanced message. And there's the live platform. So, Instagram now supports live video, which is very similar to Facebook Live. And you can also use hashtags to help people find your live videos. So, if you're like me, I'm not very good at creating video which um, is pre recorded. I just don't get the adrenaline rush um, which I need to be energetic enough on video. I think I'm natu- <laughs> naturally a bit of an introvert, a um, bit of a low key person. But the adrenaline of being live makes me much, much better. <laughs> and so for me, it's always better to record a video live. So I like the fact that Instagram now has a live platform because it means that probably I'll create better content <laughs> that way. So like I said, if you want to know how to boss Instagram, listen to the episode I recorded recently with Helen Perry. She really knows how to do it the best. Um, but in the meantime, do go and check out, there's a psychologist that I follow on Instagram who I'm basically obsessed with <laughs> um, and if you haven't heard of her yet you must go and check her out her name is Dr Julie Smith um, I've linked to her profile in the show notes I have done to all of the um, people that I'm referencing today um, but I think she's just at Dr Julie Smith and her content particularly her reels really shows you what's possible on social media I must stress I'm pretty sure she has a lot of help to get her posts looking so polished But the concept of sharing short, digestible bits of psychoeducation that solve immediate problems for people is just done really, really well. I think when you look at her content, you've got to think, you know, who is she trying to reach? And it's not me and it's not you. And that's why she gets it so right. She's not using um, long, lengthy explanations that we might want she's using the kind of explanations you would want if your child was struggling. I think it's really interesting because she predominantly works with, with children um, and gives advice about you know parenting children. And her account is quite light and bright. And if you showed it to your child, they would quite enjoy it. But what she's really aware of is that it's the parents that pay um, or encourage, even if it's free, psychological, um, therapy or psychological intervention so you have to get the parents on side so I just think she is fantastic at speaking to that kind of panic we can feel as a parent when our child is struggling and we haven't got a clue what to do and just giving say three really simple tips of how you can help your child to calm down when they're really stressed out and she just puts it like that so simply um, so speaking in in normal everyday language I don't think there's a better example out there for somebody using social media to its best possible effect. So much value in her content. So do go and have a look if you want some Instagram inspiration. (laughs) Okay, let's talk LinkedIn. So LinkedIn has a reputation for being boring and it's really not. So LinkedIn was set up as a way for professionals to connect, to build and network and develop their careers. And to be honest, it still is that. It it just turns out that professional people are also fun and interesting, and so it's a fun and interesting place to be. So LinkedIn is such a great platform for connecting with professionals that are your ideal clients, or building authority within your profession and just meeting interesting people who you might want to collaborate with or who might want to refer to you. So I love LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, You have a profile where you can show off your credentials. You can write posts that appear on the newsfeed of your connections. These can be pictures or videos or written posts. You can connect with other people by messaging them and you can build a network that only has people you're interested in talking to in it, which is really cool. You can post longer articles and blogs and you can build authority in that way. But there are loads of ways of using LinkedIn and I'm not an expert, but even if you only use it for reaching out to the right people, it can be really, really powerful. And what I particularly love about LinkedIn and the way that I use it is that when you're looking for people to connect with, you can type into the search bar, the professional title that you're looking for. So if you know, for example, that um, like pa- Paula does. Dr Paula uh, Redmond is one of the Doom Modern Therapy members and she knows that her specialism is about helping health professionals uh, look after themselves. So it'd be really easy for Paula to connect with loads of health professionals on LinkedIn because she can type in job titles like GP or nurse or OT or psychologist even into LinkedIn and find those people Um, build a network of those people and then those might be the people who if she chats them a bit they follow her and they see her posts so it's it's really easy to get the right people to see your content on LinkedIn and I I don't think there are any other platforms where you can kind of pick out who you want to target in that way obviously it's not such a a big win if your um, ideal clients don't have a profession in common However, there are still other benefits to using LinkedIn. I've talked in other episodes, especially in the get money into your practice fast episode, about the importance of your professional network and building that authority with other professionals in your area who might want to refer to you. And LinkedIn's a great place to do that because you can also type a location into the search bar. So when I'm, I move all the time, as you all know, um, <laughs> because I'm a military spouse. Um, so every time I move, that's what I do. I, I search in LinkedIn for people in my local area with related professions to mine. And I just reach out and say, look, I'm here. I've arrived. It would be great to have a coffee. Wouldn't that be nice <laughs> sometime? Um, and, and we kind of connect that way. So LinkedIn, you can use it in loads of different ways. And I just think it's got a powerful use for most of us. So to give you an example of a psychologist who is doing really well on LinkedIn, um, I'm gonna use the example of uh, Dr. Alexandra Button. She's a clinical psychologist and an EMDR coach, and she helps people to get through the lengthy accreditation process uh, that comes with EMDR accreditation. So her profile is a great example of how you can use LinkedIn to build the professional side of your business when you're really clear on your messaging. So she hasn't kind of muddied the water and tried to get clients for her private practice at the same time. It's really focused on reaching out to other professionals who might want her EMDR coaching. And I think it's really effective. And I know uh, from talking to Alexandra that she gets a lot of work through LinkedIn. So definitely one to check out if you're looking for an example of how to really focus your LinkedIn profile. Okay, Twitter Twitter is probably the platform I know the least about. I've just kind of gotten into it from an um, observer's point of view, <laughs> and I've used it in very specific ways to connect with the media in the past. But it's not my favourite platform, because Twitter is a very fast-paced conversation platform. Uh, current affairs and topical debates tend to do really well on Twitter. Because it mainly favors short written content, although you can post pictures on there as well and GIFs and things, but it does favor the kind of short written content. It's a platform that's mainly used by people with reasonably high levels of education. It works well if you're comfortable with a bit of controversy. And this is why i shied away from it, but I may, I'm exploring it and I may well get into it because with Twitter, there is so much going on. It's so fast paced. You have to be saying something seriously interesting for me to pay any attention to it at all. So there are some accounts on there which I find fascinating. You know, there are accounts on there that it expose corruption. Um, There are accounts on there that it, you know, dive into politics and all kinds of really interesting things um, which are part of a world that I wouldn't necessarily have access to. And that's what I really love about it. But one thing I have noticed is that if it's not controversial I don't look at it and I think that probably means that most people don't look at it so this is a great one for you if you have a topic that you're really passionate about that you would defend your viewpoint to the hilt Uh, like so Lucy Johnson's really active on there and Cook's really active on there and they're they're both um, psychologists who are really Um, debunking the medical model and are very confident to do that in a kind of loud and proud um, and evidenced way. So if that's you, if you've got a message like that, that you're really confident to spread and you don't mind that you might get a bit of kickback and that there will be debate, Twitter is a brilliant place to do that. And it can build your authority really well. The other thing that you have to um, be aware of on Twitter is because it's so fast paced, that most people that do well on Twitter are posting really frequently. Now your posts on there, they don't take an awful lot of work because they are, they do just tend to be kind of snippets of text um, and it tends to be kind of, you know, what people are thinking or an opinion at that time. So I don't think people spend hours crafting their posts, but people do tend to be posting several times a day because it's just the nature of the Twitter feed that things move on and get lost. So that that's kind of the pros and cons of Twitter. And I think you'll know if you're listening to this, you're like, yes, I am that person who's got a cause. And, and I and I don't mind debating it vigorously. This is the platform for you. It's the best place to do that, I think. It's also the best place to connect with journalists. So um, do listen to my episode that I recorded with James Waterhouse, who's a BBC broadcaster, if you're interested in connecting with journalists, because Twitter gives us an opportunity to talk to journalists in a way that we never could any other way. They also put out requests on there all the time for psychologists or therapists um, who they want to talk to about specific topics. So it's a really great idea to have a few journalists that you're interested in working with in the future, You know, maybe they write on topics that you're passionate about, follow them on Twitter and check there regularly. see what they're requesting. Like I said, it's incredibly fast-paced, so if they request something at 9 o'clock in the morning, you need to be responding by 10 past. And that of course is the downside of Twitter, but that's the opportunity that it brings as well. So it's a really exciting platform. I kind of wish I was more cut out for it. I suspect as I get older and more cantankerous, I'm actually gonna do better on Twitter. <laughs> um, I can already feel <laughs> I can already feel myself getting a bit more kind of confident to be cantankerous on there. Um so yeah, I'll be interested to see where my relationship with Twitter goes. But at the moment, I'm mainly an observer. But somebody who is doing extremely well on Twitter, who I think you should check out, who's a really great example of a psychologist who takes a strong stance and deals with the um, the debate that comes up around that, is Dr. Jessica Taylor. So she's a feminist author, um, she's a psychologist, and she's a researcher who specialises in Um, helping women who've been through sexual abuse and advocating for victims of sexual abuse Um, so do check her out I've put the link to her profile in the show notes but she's Dr Jess Taylor on Twitter so that concludes our whistle stop tour of the four big platforms that you might want to decide between when you're deciding on a social media strategy to reach more people but how do you actually make that decision? They've all got pros, they've all got cons. So here I've just got a few questions that you can ask yourself to try and work out where you're likely to get the most return on your time investment. Because social media is a big time investment and I certainly don't recommend trying to do all of it. I've been there, I've tried to do all of it before, Um, because as you can gather, I quite like it (laughs) Um, and and it's you're never going to be successful that way. Really, you're far better choosing one platform that you can throw all of your energy behind and really focus on learning how to create the best content for the people on that platform. So in a way, the platform you pick is much less important than just dedicating yourself to that platform. However, I would say I so often come across people who become obsessed with the idea that they must or that they should be on a particular platform because they have in their head that that's the only platform that their ideal clients are on. This happens the most weirdly with Instagram. I meet so many people... I know I need to do Instagram because my audience is, you know, young women, for example, and they're all over Instagram. They're not anywhere else, and I need to do Instagram, but I hate images and it's just so hard. And I wake up every morning and dread it and I don't do it consistently. If you get a feeling of dread, don't pick that platform (laughs) Um, because you won't be able to do it consistently it's just going to be hell for you and if our practices are hell for us then we're we're not what what are we creating why are we doing it that's not the kind of life that we want to lead Uh, and you'll never stick to it consistently either so go through these questions and have yourself as well as your ideal client in mind So question number one, where do you already feel comfortable? Is there a platform that you already use and you like using and you enjoy opening the app? Make a note of it if there is. Number two, where do your ideal clients already talk about your specialism? And what's the emotional temperature of your subject? Try and find other people talking about your specialism and getting a decent number of people interacting with them on each platform. If you can't find anyone, there is a good chance it's because people don't want to talk about that subject on that platform. So get the idea of competition out of your head. Competition is not a thing um, in social media. There are so many people on there. It doesn't matter. There could be an incredible expert with a massive following talking about, say, emotionally abusive relationships on Instagram That does not mean that you will not be able to attract the same following on Instagram and talking about that subject. So don't worry if there's another big influencer talking about your topic. What you do need is a bit of evidence that people are willing to talk about it or interested in talking about it on that platform. Often we try and talk about quite deep subjects on social media and we wonder why it doesn't do so well. We need to remember that people go on social when they're looking for an escape often from reality. And often they really don't want the deep stuff to just pop up in their feeds. Um, So that sometimes the deep topics can go a bit better in a Facebook group. You might find Facebook groups that are kind of closed and private and you have to intentionally go to them. Seem like a safer space for people to talk about deeper stuff. However, uh, like the example I just gave, uh, emotional abuse... That's something that is talked about in a different way, but really frequently and really well on Instagram. So, and uh, whereas you won't see that um, doing so well on LinkedIn or on Facebook pages. So you have to do your research. Look for other professionals with a similar specialism and find out what is working for them. Because not only will that give you an idea of which platform people want to hear from you on, but it'll also give you an idea of that... You know how deep to go what temperature to set your posts at if you like um, so like i said there's a lot about emotional abuse on um instagram but it's not asking people to talk about their experiences it's it's mainly kind of quotes or you know one kind of helpful piece of advice um, sometimes it's even light-hearted stuff um, but really you've got to do that research and see okay so How deep do people want to go on this topic? Nothing more valuable than research to tell you that. Okay, number three. Do you enjoy creating graphics or taking photos? Now, you don't need to be an artist to do well on Instagram, but... If you hate creating graphics, and you have no interest in photography, then your Instagram grid is going to be a harder slog for you. Because even if you mainly use a video based strategy, you're still going to need to create thumbnails for those videos. So this is something that I really struggle with. A lot of you will know from listening to previous podcasts, that you know, I have um, Sam, our lovely community manager who creates my graphics for me, because it would take me hours to do it myself so when i was first starting out and i was picking one platform to focus on i knew instagram wasn't going to be the one for me because every post would have taken me a couple of hours and i haven't got a couple of hours to spend on a post so just be honest with yourself about that um, at this stage make a note of it number four do you need to schedule in advance or do you like posting as you go you can schedule posts on all the platforms and um, there are tools you can use to do it like later or Agora Pulse. but it is easier to schedule on Facebook and LinkedIn than it is for Instagram. Um, I believe you can schedule tweets as well. Um, but because of the current affairs emphasis on Twitter, it, it works better to be tweeting kind of as you go. I think anyway, the accounts that I follow seem to be tweeting in real time a lot more so Instagram really likes you to post and be there to interact with others when you do post so if you know that you're not going to be able to do that um, or you know that you're not going to be able to tweet as you go on Twitter then it might be a better idea to put your energy into a different platform so again it's something I really had to consider because I've got young children I'm often solo parenting um, but when I was uh, trying to reach a perinatal audience the time when they most wanted to read my post was exactly the time when I was trying to settle my kids into bed I could see it really clearly on the analytics did much much better if I could post at about eight o'clock at night but my kids were not reliably in bed at that point Um, so that was a real dilemma it was really difficult Um, so I had to kind of give up on the idea of Instagram for a little while and and just really focus my attention on Facebook at, at the time um because i could then schedule that and it wouldn't be such a problem that i was responding to comments a couple of hours later than people were making them you still always need to be responding to those comments and i wouldn't leave it too long because it's just kind of rude to leave somebody hanging but it doesn't matter as much on facebook or linkedin as it does on other platforms okay number five do your ideal clients have a profession or industry that unites them If so, then consider LinkedIn, because as we said before, you can search for people using their job title and you can reach out to them directly. And that works really well if you've got something free that you can give them in exchange for an email address or if you're inviting them to a Facebook group or to listen to a podcast or something like that. Number six, do any of the platforms give you a feeling of dread? We already covered this, but I'm just going to say it again because so many people go against this advice. I hear it all the time (laughs) in the Dean Warden Therapy membership and from my students on Psychology Business School. Give yourself permission to avoid platforms you hate. If you hate it, you won't do it regularly enough to get any benefit. It's not going to work for you. So avoid it if you hate it. (laughs) Number seven, How comfortable are you with controversial conversations? If you enjoy them and you're comfortable with being opinionated and your ideal clients are generally well-educated people, then Twitter could be really good for you. You can also enjoy quite a lot of controversy on LinkedIn. I've seen it work really well there too. So if you've got professional subjects that you want to talk about, it can work well there. Um, I'd argue that all content on all platforms needs to be a little bit controversial Because if you're too safe with your post, you're really not going to attract anybody's interests. So when we're marketing anything, we have to accept that we're going to repel some people who are not a good fit for us. And that's actually a really good thing. If you think about it, you're not the right therapist for everyone. Even if you're world beatingly awesome, we all have different approaches. We have different demeanors and characteristics that impact on how good a fit we are with different clients. And allowing those things to shine through in your content means that you can attract people who are going to get the most benefit from working with you. You know, whether that's as a therapist or whether it's accessing your materials, reading your books, attending your training, whatever you're marketing. So, although definitely Twitter and LinkedIn are more controversy um, focused platforms, particularly Twitter, I don't want you to get the message that you don't need to be at all controversial. on uh, across your other platforms because really there's a big benefit to having a little bit of an opinion um in your in your social media content number 8 what's your primary aim with social media why are you doing this are you doing it because you want to directly find ideal clients are you doing it because you want press coverage are you doing it because you want to build authority in a professional space Or are you doing it because you wanna create a community and really get to know your ideal clients? Because that will really influence which platform can help you the best. So we've said before, press coverage, it's really good to be active on Twitter and talking to journalists on there because it's easy to connect with them there. They're all there. (laughs) Um, For directly finding clients, the hashtags feature on Instagram or the ability to reach out on LinkedIn, depending on where they're hanging out, is really useful for building authority, LinkedIn is pretty good, especially if you're trying to do that in a professional space. And I don't think Facebook can be beaten for creating community and talking to your ideal clients in a a kind of more deep and meaningful way. So you've really got to figure out what is it that I need right now? um, Because you're going to be spending a lot of time on this. So making sure you're clear on your aim is really crucial from the outset. And then finally, number nine, do you have cornerstone content that you're linking to on another website or are you planning to create long-form video content within the social media platform yourself itself sorry so if you're creating video within the platform instagram is a really good one as you can repurpose your video content into long-form videos on igtv and then make shorter clips from it for reels and stories um But linking out to other websites is much less easy when you start out on Instagram. It can work with the right strategy. It's just a bit trickier because you've only got the link in your bio when you first start. Whereas all the platforms support video and Facebook Live continues to do really well. So you could consider using Instagram to find people and Facebook to build a community if you're using a video-based strategy. But it's just worth considering you know, what, how easy you want it to be to link out to your blog or your podcast or, or other things or whether you're working in line with the principles that both Instagram and Facebook have of trying to keep people on their platforms because they're going to promote your content and help you a lot more. If, um, if you're keeping people on their platform for longer. They really like that. So video-based strategies can work really, really well on Facebook and Instagram. All right, so I hope that's given you a, a structure for thinking about which platform might be right for you. I'd say if you go through all of this and you're still really not sure, then try each one for a week. And see which one feels good in your bones and which one brings a sense of dread. (laughs) Because it's very rare for somebody to not get dread from one of the platforms, (laughs) at least. And like I said, the most important thing really is that you feel like you're enjoying the meeting your ideal clients you're enjoying interacting and talking to people and that you're getting some kind of fulfillment out of your content because if you're not you're just not going to do it consistently enough and all of the platforms require a great deal of consistency So we've talked about that in previous episodes. I've linked to them all the way through. So if you want to follow any of those links and get more of a deep dive on any of the episodes, then please do click through into the show notes, which if you scroll up, if you're in your podcast app, like Apple Podcasts, you just scroll up and the show notes are right there. Um, If you're um, listening to this on my website, then you just click read more and the show notes will magically appear underneath the player for this episode so all of the links that you need to go deeper on any of the platforms are there in the do more Than therapy membership like i said we've got the rest of this training um, so we'll be talking more about how to create content that works really well for each of the platforms um, in that training and that's coming up this month uh, but also in um a few months down the line we've got specific master classes on specific platforms so we've got youtube we've got linkedin coming up and we've already had classes on instagram and facebook so there's a lot kind of going on in the membership to support you if you do want to take your social media to the next level if you've got that ambition to take your messaging out to more people and i'd love to help you do that so please do um, go over to psychologybusinessschool.com and have a look at the membership if growing your social media is on your to-do list for the rest of this year all right thank you for listening and as ever i'd love to get your feedback so do get in touch i'm at rosie gilderthorpe on instagram or you can find me in the do modern therapy community on facebook where are you at in your practice are you just starting out and you're still terrified about not having enough work or not being set up right Or are you full to the rafters with clients and you're looking for a different way to make an impact on mental health without risking burnout? Either way come over to psychologybusinessschool.com we have programs, tools, free resources, podcasts and blogs to help you take your practice to the next level. You don't have to do it on your own. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community, where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy.